Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. This is our weekly show where we come up with two or three interesting tech stories for you in the news, find a fun library fact for you, and send you on your way in about 15 to 20 minutes. As always, if you have a story you'd like us to cover on the show, creationstation at broward.org comes right to me, and we'll try to get them on. Today, my guest is Catherine from Marketing Slash... Tell us, tell us who you are, Catherine, because you're one of the people everybody knows, but they have no idea they know you. Uh, yes, well, my name is Catherine McElrath, and I work in the Marketing, Publicity, and Communications Department. So we work on a number of products, like the website, we do the customer newsletter, uh, we work on the UCL magazine, so just a little bit of everything. And what I mostly do is write content and proofread and edit. That's sort of my role here. All those emails that you get from the library system, Catherine has a finger in almost every single one of them. Yes. Yes, we do them twice a week, so we've got to we keep them yeah. coming. You've been writing and writing, writing. It's so funny because this is why we have people like Catherine on, because she is someone who keeps the library system running and moving, and nobody ever sees or hears from these people. So we're going to put them on and do this. And we've got some fun stories to talk about today because... <laughs> There's some crazy stuff out there. Um, so how long can you balance on one foot, Catherine? Actually, I tried it and I'm good for about six, seven, eight, nine, ten seconds. So I think yeah. Good, 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 good. So that is an excellent thing. So there's a new um study out where, as you can see from the headline here, how long can you balance on one leg? And if you can do it for 10 seconds or more, that's gonna give you a good indication, apparently of how much longer you have to live. And it turns out that if you cannot balance on one foot, just standing, hold, you know, hold yourself up on one foot for at least 10 seconds, your chance of dying within the next 10 years is double. Now see, one thing I don't think they factored in is what you would be wearing when you, what kind of footwear you'd be wearing when you tried this. See, I tried it with two different ones and got two very different results. So they need to oh, good. I, you know, I never thought about trying that. I've always just yes. done it barefoot. So tell so me, the high what, what did you wear? The high heel, only about five to six seconds. A flat, 10 seconds. Okay, good. So if you're in flats, yes, you're going to be fine. Now, it, it, maybe the high heels are the thing that causes you to uh, die early. I was going to say, perhaps so. Falls, twisted ankles, a lot could happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Let's, let's let's do away with the high heels and, and just stay with the flats and, and we'll be all safe there. Um, but it's serious. This is this is a, one of those health stories that's really about um, making sure that you're healthy, you know, you're able to move around, simple flexibility stuff. And for anyone who is uh, 70 years or older, it it's, turns out to be it's a really great um, indicator is what mm -hmm. they're saying here. Uh, and they said a majority of people at 70 if or 70 or younger can do this at under at 10 seconds. And for those over, if you can make the 10 seconds or better, then you're above your average for your peers cool. at this rate. Yes, now it was interesting because I was reading through that article and they seem to have a pretty limited test subject. It was only like 1,700 people in Brazil. Yeah. So, and I was kind of thinking too, I mean, it would, it would be kind of obvious. There's probably a lot of reasons that she couldn't balance for 10 seconds. Obesity, some things that, you know. Yep. 
Yeah, and that's why they found that's why this study is interesting because just like you said, if you're obese, if you have other movement issues, mm-hmm. those are all things that are going to cause you to right. No. Yeah, like neuropathy, there's all of different yeah. things. And I'm kind of tying it into a library. You know, I think at Main Library we have the um, the neuroplasticity exercises, like the ages. Yeah, yeah. And we, we've got that share yoga at several yoga. other branches now. Yeah. yeah. So there's and even account. online. Yeah, we even have the classes online. So that's a great way that you can kind of practice that for free and kind of work a work on those balance issues. Yeah, that's I've been I've been doing a bit of yoga to try and yeah. keep my flexibility up and running and doing it. Them. Yeah, I tried the chair doing yoga. All my stuff. Doing when we're kind of in. I haven't done the chair yoga the stuff. I just do it yeah. at home on in front of the TV and kind of balance. Maybe yeah. it's that whole. I'm not sure I'm doing it right, so I don't want people to watch me. I don't know. I get you. I have one tip: don't do it on the chair with wheels. <laughs> Man, that, that that would cut your life expectancy in half, probably yes. right there. Man, especially in the stairs. Oh goodness, <laughs> I can't imagine. The, the yoga place we use here at Main Library is right in front of the stairs. I can't imagine being on there. That would be craziness. But the other thing to help you with health today, another story this week. This one just came out yesterday. The American Heart Association. So this was another huge study. Um, and one, of the, as you mentioned earlier, Catherine, it's like, how do you do these studies? Both of these two studies are things that have taken place for a 20-year-plus study to mm-hmm. make sure that they're getting long-term results. Okay. And so they've put together their life essential eight is what they're calling it of the things you have to do to prolong your health, to make sure of how you're doing Um, all the standard stuff that we always talk about, you know, don't be smoking, you know, eat your fruits and vegetables, watch your blood sugar, watch your weights, (laughs) all the, all the things. But the one that popped out was sleep. And this is the first time they've added sleep to this saying you need to have seven to nine hours of sleep a night with kids needing even more on average like a, the average high school student needs nine hours of sleep or more is what they should be getting and they're saying 20 percent of them get less than five hours Oh, I'm sure. I think a lot of that for the, the high school students is they start school really early. And I know there's been a few different movements that have that school um, kind of coincide with the work day, with the students kind of doing nine to five instead of the seven thirty to two thirty. And I think that it's really good that they're publicizing this because um, you know, for a while it was kind of glamorous to stay busy or oh I've been up all night working and burning the midnight oil and kind of focusing on you're the crazy. You're cra- those are crazy people. Those are crazy yeah, people. They are. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on the uh, see, and then I get trapped. I was on the competitive edge because I used I used my watch to track my sleep, and I was like, "Huh, mm-hmm. I slept for nine hours and forty five minutes. I wonder if I can get to ten hours." There you go. Push yourself. Do your personal best. <laughs> Stay in bed longer. Yes, try and yeah, do. It's good for you. Yeah. yeah. And also, like too, I think they even came up with a slogan for the sleep: yeah. like seven to nine is fine. Kind yeah. Of applaud it from a marketing standpoint. It's kind of. Oh, good. Good, good, good. I'm glad. See, marketing, you like it? Excellent. Excellent, excellent. (laughs) Um, And as always, we're going to have these links for you in the show notes so you can read these studies yourself and find out exactly where they come up with all of these ideas. But it's one of the ideas for getting the more sleep is besides just rest, but it allows your body to heal and repair itself. And it actually, they have proven now that it does 
uh, make a stronger immune system for you. It does give you better reflexes, which I thought was interesting. I knew if you were tired, it was the same as consuming alcohol where it would affect your reflexes. But yeah, with the driving, yeah. Yeah, but even afterwards, not not taking things like that into account, just if you get the rest, your eye-hand coordination is just better when you've had the seven to nine hours of sleep no matter what time of day it's not like when you first wake up in the morning it's even at night before you're going to bed you get that same benefit to your uh to your reflexes and everything like that so i was like huh yeah i was like they they did some really detailed stuff on these sorts of things and building in building in these studies of figuring where and how are these things starting and whether it's diet or whether it's it turns out it's just pure lack of sleep. Yeah, it's just the very basic. That's interesting too because, do. yeah, but um, kind of looking at, I know one of the studies that you were talking about was from the sports medicine, like the research. And so that's kind of interesting that things like that, the, the reflexes, things that could be used in real life sort of circumstances, either for like workplace safety. I mean, yeah. maybe they're going to start, you know, they would test people for alcohol if they were going to be driving a truck. Would they be testing people to see how much sleep they got? Would sleep deprivation become something that's like, you know, against the law? Driving while sleep deprived? Well, there is that. I mean, there, there are laws out there for truck drivers. You're not allowed to drive for more than X amount of hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the big pushes for getting robotic trucks is because you'd be able to have those trucks keep on driving when you don't have to have a live person there doing it. Oh, so self-driving trucks, that would work for all these supply side issues. Yeah, 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 it is. Very cool. And this is, you know, again, 2,400 separate papers and scientific studies that they put together to do this. And you can track this for anyone from ages two and up now. So take your time, go look at these things and go, or take, just take Catherine's and mine's word for it and get some sleep. Yeah, go get some sleep tonight. Sleep for eight hours this weekend. You had a nice long mm-hmm. holiday weekend, folks. Get yes. three or four consecutive days of good yes. deep sleep. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. Yes. We've got four other articles that we're going to try and cram through here in the last part right. of the show, uh, which I know is way over what we normally would do in a show. But these are all amazingly four articles that came out this week that are all about previous episodes we did. Not that they wrote about our show, but stories that we covered. So I wanted to to try and hit on these because they were all weird little things. One, we talked about this earlier this year, um, that there was a rocket that crash landed into the moon. They thought that it was a SpaceX launch. It turns out, no, it wasn't. They proved that it wasn't. So they said, oh, it's a Chinese launch. Chinese government saying, no, that's not our stuff. So they still have not quite figured out which rocket actually smashed into the moon. But on June 24th, and they just released these pictures now, there's a new crater on the moon right here. And what's different about it, and you'll see from all the other craters around there, there's the simple, like the little dots, you know, the like we all think about with a crater, you know, the little divots in the ground. Mm-hmm. This has got a double crater, which means two pieces hit. 
So I was like, cool. So did you understand what that meant, Catherine? No. So <laughs> if you've got rockets or? no, it's one rocket, but mm. it had to have split up either a it's split apart and it was two separate pieces that hit mm -hmm. or the more likely thing. And they bring this up in the article is two ends hit at different times, which means there was a weight in both ends of the rocket. Hmm. Yeah, I was just surprised there was that much space junk floating around. I had no idea there oh, was. It's a craziness of how much space junk is up there now. I agree. But so that gives you, they gives them some new uh, things to look at to try and figure out what kind of rocket this was that smashed into there. Whose debris is this? Because most rockets only have weight at one end where the engines are. They don't have weight at both ends because the other end is usually full of fuel and it gets all consumed by the time it would get to something like oh. this. So new pieces to the puzzle that came out for this that everybody's going to be looking at. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, so I and, guess they would, they would kind of like the question would be whether it came from someplace other than earth or whether it's some kind of a different rocket there there, no there's 99.999 it came from earth it's just okay. hmm. where which government launched it and who's not admitting to it mm -hmm. is the idea now then we've got our 5g interference and if you remember our show talking about 5g cell phone stuff that was last mm -hmm. late last fall where we were talking about why you don't even have 5G here in Fort Lauderdale as an example because of how the antennas work and the FAA and airplanes landing. And it was a really complicated story. Now SpaceX is trying to say, oh, our space satellite internet is not going to be workable if you continue building your 5G stuff. Well, he's really, Elon Musk has got a lot of stuff going. It's kind of, yeah, he's underground. And that's kind of, I mean, he's sort of wanting to control all of the phone. No, it's and I'm kind of like, that, right? if you didn't plan before you started launching mm -hmm. 20,000 satellites, right. if your company didn't plan that it was going to get interference from this new thing that everybody on the planet has known is coming, because everybody's talked about 5G for the last decade. Mm -hmm. See how that's the fault of uh, yeah, the they're putting they're 5G and development. Yeah, that, that's that's your own company having some issues there with that. But well, so, yeah, he seems to have some issues. Well, that kind of seems to be an issue with him with his over-promising and under-delivering. Yep. Self-driving cars that blow up and rockets. Yeah, we, we try and do the opposite here with the library. We try we try and under-promise yes. and over-deliver. Yeah, mm -hmm. not this other idea. Um, but yeah, they're saying that because of how the spectrum works that uh, some of their Starlink things may be 74% unavailable. Meaning you'll still get your internet connection 26% of the time during the day. And the other times it won't be available because of interference. Wow. So. Now, it's just, this is not definite, like 100% has he said that no, there's- They don't know, they don't that? know because they don't have enough uh, 5G working and Starlink satellites working at the same time right now to be able to quantify everything. So yeah, Starlink is claiming 75%, 74% there. And the 5G people are saying, no, it's not going to be that bad. So, 
but it was an interesting oh. story to come out and they're like, okay, let's go revisit this one and, and let people know that, yeah, there's still 5G issues coming up and we're going to talk about it. There's 2,700 of those satellites up there right now. They're going to put another 42,000. So they better fix this first before they launch too many more of these up there. Yes, I think so. Maybe they are. Don't think you we can just ourselves. say you're interfering with us. You're not allowed to do it. The, your international companies, you got to work it out. Somebody's going to have to pay something. Yeah, and like you said, this this seems to be something that they should have maybe talked about beforehand, because before they have all the satellites flying up there and rockets hitting the moon, whatever else is going. All the other stuff. I know. It's every week. It seems like we could do another sh talk about something with space because there's just so many crazy things out there, including the metaverse. So we've talked about metaverse here several times and what goes on with virtual reality and all the stuff like that. And we've also talked about the other problem that this story highlights. And with the app stores, with Apple and Google, they both take a cut of your pay. So anytime you buy something on an app store, the owner of that app store, Google or Apple, takes a cut of that. Amazon has their own small little app store. They take a cut also. So Facebook up to this point has taken a smallish cut, but now they're going to increase it up to 30% on all their VR stuff that they are doing. And since they're trying to be the center of the metaverse for virtual reality, now everybody's realizing that, wait a minute, this means Facebook's plan is to basically take a 30% cut of every dollar spent uh, in the metaverse. And so people are not quite so happy with it. I can see why. Yeah. What do you think? About, what do you think about that idea of who should pay for this? Well, I think that always kind of goes to you know the the powers that be or the sort of the landlord kind of thing. You've got the same sort of situation: people renting a chair at a beauty parlor or at a flea market renting a booth. So. There is that question, and it's kind of difficult for the, I guess, the game development people, those companies, because do they have another option? I mean, if they don't go in the metaverse and pay this fee, is that going to be a huge loss of revenue? So it's kind of it's a monopoly sort of situation and a way to look at it. I don't think it's, I think that's a bit high. Well, in Europe, Apple's been sued and has, is under regulations now where they're not allowed they're they're going to have to open up their store um so that pe or p allow people to load things on without using their app store fees mm -hmm. um, yeah. well yeah because then you're i guess that's the same thing as the the internet is that public utility or is it yep. private internet yeah. we're looking at that as well uh, yeah the internet if if this pandemic has not shown everybody how critical it is important to have uh, internet working for everyone and all the digital divide stuff libraries have done to try and help give everybody access when they were at home and they didn't have access. Yeah. yeah. We need access to this and how are we, yeah, we need to come up with some kind of equitable way of, because you can't do it for free. You cannot expect Facebook to give you the metaverse for free no. or to even and you can't expect it to just buy the VR headset and then have access to the metaverse without having to pay, whether you want to call it rent or a subscription or whatever, you know, fee to use something. There's going to have to be some sort of fee because somebody's got to run those computers and pay for that electricity. 
Well, I think like with Facebook, everyone's gotten used to that being something they consider to be free. What is that saying? If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Yep. So people have been used to not, you know, maybe not paying and then having the option or they have to. I can see why there might be some pushback too. Yeah, and those ad efforts are not going anywhere right now. So we're going to see what happens. And finally, Catherine brought us this really cool story that she doesn't even know was something that we talked about on this show last year. It's been almost 18 months ago that we talked about this, where NASA wants its moon stuff back. And uh, back then it was... Uh, article about um, some rocks that someone had put up for sale because they mm-hmm. claimed they had purchased them from an astronaut, uh, from the estate of an astronaut, and then they were in turn reselling it, and they were not allowed, and now it's come back up again. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this one, Catherine. Well, apparently the entomologist, they, an entomologist associated with Warren University got hold of some of the moon rocks moon dust and what they did is they fed it to cockroaches to see if it would affect them so actually the entomologist who worked on the project she kept the cockroaches and the moon rock pieces and she had them displayed in her house for i guess many years that was just stayed there quietly and then when she passed away her daughter sold them and then somehow this cockroach and the pieces of the moon rock ended up with an auction house and nasa found out and said hey we want our cockroaches and our moon rock Oh, and I found out from reading this that apparently that's a big thing that NASA likes to come and collect their rocks. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Yeah. And this photo here that I put up for you, um, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about rocks. We're not talking about something you pick up in your hand. You're not, we're not even talking the size of a pencil eraser. We're talking this. In this vial here, what, it, that dust-like stuff, that's what we're talking about that is so valuable because there's only – ex- 60 something kilograms of it on earth that we've brought back from the moon so far. And so there's not a lot out there for anyone to do. And that's why NASA is super careful about where it is, who gets access to this. And this is, you know, cultural heritage type stuff. Yeah. I guess president Nixon was pretty generous in handing pieces of it out. I guess each of the 50 states and a hundred and something countries. Yeah. And I read that there was something with the Honduras in a general Something yeah. they had a piece of, yeah. yeah. And Catherine can tell you, we have a piece of the moon mm-hmm. here at Main Library. We are the yes, only so. public library in the country, probably mm-hmm. in the world. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard a guess and say it's the only one in the world because I don't think NASA gave it out to any other libraries. Um, no. That you can come see a piece of the moon right here at Broward County Library, up on the mm-hmm. sixth floor. Yes, and we had it. It was an astronaut from I believe Apollo Seven. Yes. Um, that was no, his. 11. And his, 11? 11. Okay. And his wife, uh, the it to the library. Yes, it was uh, the sample is from mm-hmm. eleven, and okay. he was on the Apollo seven flight, and he got so he was given a sample from the, the moon landings because he was a, an Apollo astronaut, and then his wife yeah. gave it to the library afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a really cool display. They've got the space suit, and you can see the little tapes. You can see the moon rock. So it's up on the sixth floor, which is a very cool floor, too, because we've got the art gallery. So kind of a double shot if you come up to the Yep, end. and the historical stuff is there, and the Bienes mm-hmm. is there for, 
for all sorts of archival oh, yeah. books and things. So yeah, and when you come in, we've got NASA TV running there all the time, so you can see whatever is yeah. being launched at the moment or or the different shows that NASA's putting on if you don't pay attention to that at home. And see, we just ran way past our 20-minute mark. <laughs> see, I knew we could do this. Um, we, but we crammed it all in. We got all these stories in all at once. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was wonderful. Going to throw up our final slide here. If there is a library or librarian you would like to see featured on the show, as always, creationstation at Broward.org comes to us. Have a great holiday weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.